What's up, everybody? It's great to see everybody. Great to see everybody in the building. Great to have new life at Iglesia in the house. Yay, yay. And I'm so grateful to have you guys with us online. If you're online visiting, uh, welcome to Central Christian Church. Uh, you guys could be doing anything uh, this time during your weekend, but you chose to spend a few moments in the house of the Lord, and we are so thankful and grateful to be able to have this opportunity to worship with you guys uh, this weekend. Amen? Amen. We're going to start our time off with a quick story. Um, there's a story about these two little boys in this small town. In this small town, these two little boys were always getting into some drama. If there was some drama in this little bitty town, you can bet that this little eight-year-old boy and this little 10-year-old boy was right at the center of the drama. And so the parents got together one day. Mom says to the dad, uh, Dad, I heard about a pastor in a neighboring town who specializes in dealing with youth that are troubled like ours. What do you think? Dad says to the mom, come up with something because I'm about to send these little jokers to see Jesus. All right. And so mom takes the eight-year-old to the pastor. And then um, the pastor's in the office. He drops her off and the pastor sits in there. He says, son, I just got one question for you. Where's God? Little eight-year-old boy is just kind of like, I don't know what you're talking about, right? Pastor says to the little boy again, son, I asked you a question. Where's God? Little boy kind of looks to his right, looks to his left, looks underneath him, behind him. Y'all, at this, the pastor jumps up pounds his desk and says to the little boy, son, I'm going to ask you one more time, where's God? Everybody at this, the little boy jumps up, runs out of the office, back across town, through his front door, past his little brother up the stairs, his older brother up the stairs and dives into the closet. Ten-year-old comes after the eight-year-old, says, dude, what's going on? The eight-year-old says to the ten-year-old, bro, we are in big trouble this time. Because God is missing and they think we did it. <laughs> and thank you for that. Thank you for that. Thank you for clapping online as well. Everybody, now we laugh at that joke because it's hilarious and it's one of my favorite jokes to tell. But the other reason why I love telling that joke is because the question in that joke is a real question. Where's God? I look around my world right now, Pastor Ray, and I can't stand what I'm looking at. I don't see God. Where's God? Pastor Ray, where's God when my husband consistently puts his hands on me and now is threatening to walk out on me, leaving me with a financial burden that I can't handle? Where's God? When my wife is discontent and now is threatening to run into the arms of another man. Pastor, where's God? When the economy is down, unemployment is up, my money is funny, and my change is strange. I just need to know, where's God? Where's God, Pastor Ray? Uh, when it, just like it seems like we're getting a handle on this coronavirus thing, just when it seems like we're about to get back to life as some sort of normalcy, now looming on the horizon, they're saying new restrictions are going to be put on us. Oh my goodness, where's God? When every time it seems like as a country, we take two steps forward with this civil uh, unity and this racial unity piece, we hear about another incident or unfair ruling in the course that send us five spaces back. I just need to know, where's God, Pastor Ray? And everybody, uh, I wonder if somebody may be thinking, is he missing? Is he hibernating? Is he there? 
Does he care? And I feel like tonight, I'm on assignment this weekend to make sure everybody understands in the building and online that the Lord our God does care. He is there. He has never left us, will never forsake us, sees you right where you are, and after an eternity of being alive, our God is still in the blessing business, still in the miracle working business. He's still on the throne, still in control, can still do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask, hope, or think. Haven't forgot about a single person who calls on the name of Jesus. And why is that? Because he's God, and he's God all by himself. And everybody, I just thought it's important that we set the record straight from the beginning of this thing tonight. Because it's, it's important that we recognize that everything that we're seeing in our world today is less about how God has walked away from his people and really more about how his people has walked away from him. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and so now, now here we are. We're just in a mess of a situation in our country, in our world right now, and new life in Iglesia, I, 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 I sometimes, I'm scared to just verbalize it, but I think to myself, and I'm sure you guys too, sometimes wonder, man, can it get much worse than this? But then, um, here's a million dollar question that I want to say to all of my friends online tonight. The million dollar question for everybody in the house and online is, in the midst of the chaos, the question is, can we still see Christ? And everybody, that's what I want to talk about tonight, this idea of seeing Jesus. Seeing Jesus, everybody, though it's very simple in comprehension, can be difficult in application. But can I say this to you, everybody? If we even have a chance of surviving the mess, the mayhem, and the mass hysteria in our world today, we had better be able to see the Messiah. We better be able to see him. And so you say, Pastor Ray, uh, why do you say seeing Jesus is simple in comprehension but difficult in application? That's an awesome question. Glad you asked it, class. I, I want to show you some stuff in Scripture that has some parallels between what was going on in the Bible days and what we may see in our world uh, in our day today, all right? And so everybody, uh, we've been in this series, if this is your first time, your first time in a long time, in the book of Acts, and in Acts chapter 13, um, the Bible records some prophets and some teachers that was hanging out uh, in a prayer session. And in Acts chapter 13, verse two, watch this, the Bible says that while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul, for the work to which I have called to them. Somebody say the work. Now, now, now the work everybody that the Holy Spirit was referring to uh, was Paul and Barnabas going out into the region and sharing the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. And not only sharing the gospel, but also sharing some very important bullet points in addition to what happened uh, in the gospel message. And so everybody on their travels, they come to this area in Acts chapter 13, verse 14, where the Bible says, from Perga, they went on to Poseidon Antioch. I need everybody to say Poseidon, excuse me, Pisidian Antioch. Everybody, I need you to say Pisidian Antioch. 
Very good. On the Sabbath, they entered the synagogue and they sat down. Now, after reading from the law and the prophets, the leaders of the synagogue sent word to them saying, brothers, if you got a word of exhortation for the people, please speak. And the Bible says, standing up, Paul motioned with his hands and he said, fasten your seatbelts and grab your hat. I got a word that's going to split your wig. You see it? You see it? See it? He says, uh, fellow Israelites and you Gentiles who worship God, listen to me. That's what I said, right? Ain't that what I just said? Right? Now, here it is, everybody. I want to say it, say it one time. Somebody say Pisidian Antioch. Now, everybody, I need you to understand something. Uh, and me and Pastor Dave were real sticklers for this. When the Bible references and is specific about a specific person, place, or thing, it's doing so for a specific purpose. And that's why uh, it will say, uh, well, Jesus uh, went to uh, a certain village, or Jesus or the disciples spoke to a certain man, right? When, when, when you see that, that's not a big deal. But when the Bible is specific about a person, place, or thing, it's doing so for a specific person, purpose. And so when we see a name like Pisidian Antioch, there's a reason why God wants us to see that. And so we need to dig a little deeper. So I want, you to, I want to share some fun facts with you about the significance of Pisidian Antioch and what parallels Pisidian Antioch has uh, maybe with an area that you guys may be familiar with that a lot of people live in. Let me, let me show you something. First thing, originally Pisidian Antioch, y'all, was ruled by a Greek monarch named Seleucus I uh, Nicator. Okay, for my history people, this guy was famous uh, for being a general in Alexander the Great's army. Okay, so pretty significant guy. He was a king over that area. Here's the second thing you need to know. Uh, oh, by the way, uh, the city was first ruled as a monarchy kingdom. You got that? Here's the second thing I want you to see. Now, you guys know, for those of you who are into history, uh, you had the great Roman Empire and the great uh, Greek Empire. There was some conflict between those two. But in 189 BC, after the peace with Antichus the Great, the Romans made Pisidian Antioch a free city. Y'all seeing something? Started off as a monarchy, now they're free. Okay? Let me, let me give you a little bit more. Romans took over total control of the city in 25 BC. Pisidian Antioch was made a colony, you understand, of the Romans under the oversight of the emperor Augustus around 6 BC. Made a colony. Seeing that? Watch this. It became a military colony and the center of civil administration in the region, which enjoyed a diverse population of Romans, Jews, and Greece. In other words, it was kind of a melting pot area of all different creeds and colors that could dwell together in one singular space. Now, uh, ladies and gentlemen in the room and online, are you seeing some parallels between Pisidian Antioch and maybe some other area that is kind of familiar to us? Let me go through the fun facts one more time. Uh, uh, country was founded by a monarchy. The monarchy eventually became free became a colony, uh, was famous for their military might, but also for a land that it welcomes all races, creeds, and colors. Does that sound like a land that some of us may be familiar with? Y'all just scream it out at, at me on the count of three. One, two, three. 
right? You, that's why I love this class, right? Yeah, and everybody, so here's Paul and Barnabas sent by the Holy Spirit, right, to the preach in this region, and Paul says in verse 16, he says, fellow Israelites and you Gentiles, come get this work. You see it? See it? Y'all don't see it? It's right here. Y'all be reading the Bible too fast, right? He says, listen to me. And everybody, he begins to share with them about uh, Father Abraham, and he goes through the passages and shares about the father of their faith. And then he moves from Father Abraham, and he starts preaching to them uh, about how the uh, Egyptians uh, had enslaved the Israelites and had them in Egyptian bondage uh, for so many years, but how God continued to bless them even though they were in Egyptian bondage. And then he transferred from that to, the, to King Saul and King David, who the Bible says King David was a man at the God's own heart, right? And he literally takes them all throughout the, for our practical intents and purposes, the Old Testament, right? Pointing them to the arrival of Jesus. And then he says to him in Acts chapter 13, verse 23, he says, from this man's descendants, talking about David, God has brought to Israel the Savior Jesus, as he promised. Fellow children of Abraham and all you God-fearing Gentiles, it is to us, somebody say to us, that this message of salvation has been sent. The people of Jerusalem and their rulers, watch this, did not recognize Jesus. They didn't see him. Yet in condemning him, they fulfilled the words of the prophets that are read every Sabbath. Now, everybody, are y'all getting that? Paul says in this message, the Bible says that, that, that salvation, the message of salvation was directly sent to us. I'm going to say to us. Somebody say, to me. I want, I want to make sure you didn't miss that, right? Jesus was sent directly to God's people, and Peter got on him and said, and we didn't even see him. Because watch this. Remember, United States is a what type of country? Free country. Uh, Pisidian Antioch was a free city. Because see, watch this, everybody. When you're a free country, when you're a free city full of free people, you understand, uh, uh, th there are things that, 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 that happen. So you can believe what you want to believe. You understand, uh, uh, you have options of what you believe. You have options of what you do with your time. You have options of what you do with your money. Oh, oh by the way, show me how you spend your time and your money and I will show, show you what's truly important to you and where your heart truly is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But when you're a free country, when you're a free city, when you're a Free people, you have options on how to deal with your feelings about people who don't look like you. You have options of how to deal and make choices about who you'll spend time with and who you'll exclude. You have choices of what things will gravitate and grab your attention and what things you'll put off till later. Because see, you're free. You're independent. And can I say to somebody in the room today and online, that's exactly how God designed it at the beginning. You remember back in Genesis uh, when God created the heavens and the earth and then he created man on the sixth day? His very first command to the man in Genesis chapter 2 verse 16 was this. He said, and the Lord God commanded, somebody say commanded. He commanded the man, watch this, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden. 
Now, we know later on, he also did say, but now, listen now, the knowledge of this one tree, the tree of knowledge of the good and evil, I don't want you to touch that, I don't want you to eat from that, or you will surely perish. But notice what God led with. He didn't lead with the restriction of what we couldn't operate in. He led with the freedom and the blessing of what we could enjoy and operate in, in him, because that's the way he meant it from the absolute beginning. We have freedom in him. And watch this. The Bible says that when Jesus died on the cross for our sin, uh, he died on the cross to set us free from sin. So now we are set free from sin and death. No longer a slave to sin. No longer a slave to our flesh. No longer a slave to our past of that abuse or that addiction. In Christ, we're brand new. In Christ, we're redeemed. In Christ, we're set free. And the Bible says in uh, John chapter 8, verse 36, who the Son sets free is free indeed. Yeah. And so that's the way God designed it. Jesus designed it from the beginning for us to be able to walk in this level of freedom. But everybody, can I say this to everybody in the room and online? Listen, uh, uh, our freedom is bigger than just a right. It's a responsibility. And if we don't handle it righteously, we will live recklessly. Anybody seen any reckless living in our country? One or two people, right? And everybody, um, the things that people say and the things that people do and the things that people take and the things that people watch and spend their time doing and spend their God-given money and resources on, all in the name of freedom and preference. And Jesus is like, listen, uh, I want you to be free, but I don't want you to be free at the expense of not growing in and not connecting with and not gravitating to me. That's not the way I designed this thing to work in the first place. And his hope was and is today, everybody, that as we reflect on who we were and what we deserve apart from him, and now what we have and where we find ourselves because of him, that we would willingly be able and desire to center everything and every part of our life around him because we recognize that he's been just that good. And so, this is why I say, everybody, seeing Jesus is simple in comprehension, but it's difficult in application, everybody, because um, here's the thing. We got a huge mountain that's blocking us from connecting with Jesus. And you know what that mountain is? It's the mountain of Mount M, capital E, capital M, capital E, me. Somebody tap yourself on the shoulder and say, Pastor's talking to me. Yeah, yeah. And so, everybody, and the same distractions that we face in our country as the United States of America, some of the same distractions that they were focusing on back in the day as well, right? And that's why Paul says to him in Acts chapter 13, verse 40, he says, listen, I need you to take care that what the prophets have said does not happen to you. He says, look, you scoffers, wonder and die. Paris is basically what it said. He says, for I'm going to do something in your day that you would never believe even if somebody told you. In other words, what he's saying is you can live for yourself all you want to. You can walk in disobedience all you want to, 
But please understand that something's going to happen to you. You're going to reap something back in return for that. I'm going to cause some stuff to happen in your world that you wouldn't even believe. And everybody, does that sound familiar with what's going on today? In fact, uh, let me say it like this. If I'd have walked up in here this time last year, this is October, right? It's October 2020. If I'd have walked in here this time last year, October 2019, and I'd have said, hey, everybody pay attention online. Make sure you get this. Now, look, I got a prophetic word from God for the entire planet. And the word of the Lord said, that in February of 2020, five months from now, the entire world will be shaken by a virus, the likes of which we've never seen before. It'll put the entire world at a literal standstill. Businesses and governments will shut down. Hundreds of thousands of lives will be lost. And fear will grip the entire world as we know it. If I'd have said that one year ago, what would y'all have said? Would, would, would yeah, laughed at me, right? Would y'all have believed me? Right? Right, and then I and then plus, I say plus. If I'd have added that on top of that and said, in addition to that, the racial unrest and injustice in our country will explode, causing riots and protests and looting that doesn't just affect the United States, but literally touches the four corners of the earth to the point to where it could literally tear the very fabric of our country. If I said that and then stepped and said. Hear ye the word of the Lord. Drop the mic. And hit you with a Michael Jackson. Right? If I did that, what would happen? I'm going to tell you exactly what would happen online. Pastor Eric, our executive pastor, would have sprinted up here, fired me on the spot. And then he would have apologized to everybody in the room. Uh, the views expressed by Pastor Ray McElroy are not in conjunction with Central Christian Church or their followers. Right? He would have put the disclaimer out there. Then, after that, uh, Tom Brooks and Cecil Youngblood and our other elders would have literally thrown me out physically of the church. How many of you used to watch the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air? Well, my Fresh Prince people, right? Remember what they used to do to jazz? Ah, that would have been me. That would have been me, right? Then, as soon as I hit the ground, Pastor Craig would have picked me up off the ground, took me to the nearest psych ward, and then... Pastor Moises, Pastor Dave, and Bishop Wiles would come to my room every week and pray for my sanity. Come on, you know I'm telling the truth, right? Why? Because everybody, the truth is, none of us saw this coming. And Paul was communicating uh, what the Old Testament prophets were saying back in the day, and the Old Testament prophets were quoting God when God says, hey, Keep living the way you think you're living, doing what you want to do, being disobedient. And listen, I'm going to do some stuff in your day that you never believe, even if somebody told you. And I think it's amazing because the author of the book of Acts was uh, the, the apostle uh, or the disciple Luke, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the gospel writers, right? So Luke wrote the book of Luke, but he also wrote the book of Acts, and he's sharing about what Paul was preaching uh, to the church at Pisidian Antioch. But I think it's significant that Paul then later writes his own book in the book of Galatians, chapter 6, verse 7. Look at what Paul says about what we're talking about. He says, Paul said, do not be deceived, y'all. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. 
Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap. Now, now listen, let me say this really quickly uh, for those of you online that may not know what that word sows means. Somebody say sows. Sows sows is a farming term. That means you take something and you plant it or or, or you, you, you put out something from yourself, right? And so a farmer doesn't plant an apple seed expecting a pear tree. That's, that's just ridiculous, right? But everybody, can I say to you, it's strange how so many people don't follow that logic in their spiritual and their physical lives. They think they can sow something negative and get back something positive, and it just don't work that way. You can't sow selfishness and think you're going to reap love. It don't work that way. You can't sow disobedience to God, disrespect to God, and think you're going to operate in the blessings, the hand, and the favor of God. It just don't work that way, right? And so he says, he says, we got to make sure we're doing this. Verse, uh, verse 9, keep going, Shannon. There we go. From the Spirit, if we sow from the Spirit, we will reap eternal life. Watch this. So this is important. We cannot become weary in doing good. We cannot become weary in assembling ourselves together like Jesus asked us to do. We cannot become weary in using our time, our talents, and our treasures according to how God calls us. We cannot grow weary uh, in living and loving our neighbor. We can't grow weary in those areas. Amen? He says, he says don't grow weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity... Let's do good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of believers. Everybody, this is my story, and I'm sticking to it. My story is, why is this world so crazy? Why are things so chaotic around us? How did things get so bad? The answer is capital M, capital E, me. Somebody say me. Me. We, everybody. As a people, we've walked away from our first love. And now here we are. And if you look around, you don't have to look hard enough to find that there's a whole lot of bad on our planet. But, somebody say but. But. Thank God for the gospel. (laughs) Paul has some good news for us. And the good news that he shares with the church at Pisidian Antioch also, I believe, is the solution for what ails our planet today. Here's what he says. Look at verse 38. He says, therefore, my friends, I want you to know that through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. Through him, everyone who believes is set free from every sin, a justification you were not able to obtain under the law of Moses. And everybody, the church of Pisidian Antioch, they got fired up when they saw this. They were like, oh, I get it. I understand. Jesus was here and we saw him, but we didn't see him. We saw him as a good teacher. Some of us actually saw him as a maniac and a revolutionist, but we didn't see him as savior. We didn't see him as Messiah, and because of that, we had him crucified on a cross. But when Paul shares the good news that Jesus yet, though we were yet sinners, Jesus died for us. And even though we've sinned against God, he shared with them, hey, You have the ability to confess your sin before God. And if you confess your sin, Jesus is faithful and just to forgive your sin and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. They got fired up about that good news. 
And so when they heard that, they said in verse 42, they said, as Paul and Barnabas were leaving the synagogue, the people invited them to speak further about these things. On the next Sabbath, they're like, come back next week and preach to us some more. We like what we're hearing, right? And the Bible says, when the congregation was dismissed, many of the Jews and the devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas, who talked with them and urged them to continue in the grace of God. And everybody, they were so excited when they heard this. Watch what happened in verse 44. On the next Sabbath, somebody say the next week, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. Everybody, that's our vision. That is our vision here as one church, one body here at Central Christian. Our, our, our vision, man, what would happen, everybody, if our church really began to see Jesus again? And they got so contagious with what they were hearing that they started sharing it with family and friends and neighbors until it spread like wildfire to the point where the entire state line area was beating down our doors, literally crashing our servers to try to get in online and meet with and connect and see Jesus. That's our vision. We want to see the entire state line area transformed into a Christ-centered community. That's our vision. And everybody, um, why is that important? Because everybody, just like COVID-19, the gospel is contagious now. Come on, somebody, right? right? That thing, if we get it started the right way, it won't just stay in the state line area. That thing will spread and spread and transform hearts and lives until these problems of loving our neighbor and civil uh, unrest and political posturing and greed and power-hungry folk will be an afterthought because folks won't be staring at themselves because they'll be too busy staring at and seeing Jesus. And as I get ready to leave you today, some of you may be saying, well, okay, Ray, I'm feeling this. This makes sense to me. So just share with me really quickly how. How do we see Jesus? I got real, three real quick things for you for my note takers, and I'm going to get out your way. I got three R's. The first thing we got to do, everybody, if we want to really see Jesus, is we got to repent. Somebody say repent. repent. We got to repent of any, any choices and decisions that we've made apart from him. Look at verse 38. Remember this? Therefore, my friends, I want you to know that through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. And can I say to somebody in the room today that 98% of the time when I'm in some mess and some drama and some issues in my life is because I've decided to do things my way, to think on my own, to lean on my own understanding instead of praying about and acknowledging Jesus as Lord in those areas. Oh, just me and Pastor Moises, y'all gonna leave me by myself. I should have got a few more amens right there. Where's Bishop Wiles when I need him, right? Yeah, everybody. But it's amazing how even though uh, sometimes we get off track and everybody, we all get off track, isn't it beautiful to know that we got a God in heaven that's got enough grace and, and, and enough forgiveness that if we call on his name, he will literally pick us up. He will turn us around. He'll place our feet back on the solid ground, back to where we were already supposed to be in the first place. I don't know about y'all, but I'm grateful tonight for that level of grace, right? And he's just waiting on somebody to repent. And I want to challenge you tonight, whether you are, whoever you are all over the world listening online, I want you to think about some areas where you've allowed yourself to get off track. Maybe you've made some decisions apart from praying about it. Now maybe you're walking in some stuff and you're paying for it. Can I tell you, Jesus is right there waiting for you to call on his name to say, God, would you fix it? Would you help me? Would you get me back to where I was always supposed to be, and he will honor that prayer. Number one, we got to repent 
But the second thing we got to do, everybody, is we got to recommit. Somebody say recommit. We got to recommit to spending time in worship, prayer, and fasting inside and outside of church. I said inside and outside of church. Let me show you the verse. Verse 1 and 2, first part of the chapter. It says, now in the church of Antioch, there were prophets and teachers. Barnabas, uh, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, uh, Manaean, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. Watch this, y'all. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said. And I can just stop right there. Because everybody, in order to really see God, you really need to hear from God. When you hear from God, you can see God. And what it's going to take, everybody, is a decision to say, God, I got to get more of you in my life. I got to have you. And listen, I don't want to hear about your schedule. I said, I don't want to hear about your schedule and how busy you are and what all stuff you got. Bottom line, your life, our life, my life needs to be revolving around Jesus, not Jesus' life revolving around us. And here's what I know. If it's important enough, we will make time to do what we need to do. And I'm going to say this really quickly, and I'm going to get out your way. Some of us may be here and saying that I'm just not seeing God. I'm not hearing from God. I can't discern what God is leading me to do. Can I tell you, you're, it's not that God has moved away from you that you're not seeing God, but the reason why you and I aren't seeing God is because we're not seeking God. We got to seek him in order to see him. And here's what I know. The Bible says, seek and you shall find. Knock and the door will be open. Ask and it will be given. That's a promise from God. We got to be willing to put in the work to do that. We got to repent. We got to recommit. Finally, we got to respond. Say respond. Respond to the work he's called us to. This ought to get you excited. Second part of verse two says, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. Somebody ought to get real excited about this verse. Did, did, you see, did you see what Jesus said, that the Holy Spirit said? He called them folk by name. He didn't say, I got to work for the church. No, no, no. Specifically, I got to work for Barnabas. I got to work for Saul. I got to work for Michelle. I got to work for Ebbs. I got to work for Kenny. I got to work for Bishop Wiles, I got to put your name right there. Yeah. Do you recognize that before the foundation of the world was created online, God had a specific purpose and a work just for you. And he's waiting for you to tap in and seek him and see him. And let me say this. Saying yes to Jesus may mean saying no to your plans. I'm going to talk to the online folk. Saying yes to Jesus' plans may mean saying no to your plans. But can I say this, and I'm going to get out your way. 
when we say yes to Jesus, that is the space where we'll find the greatest amount of fulfillment, the greatest area of blessing, and the greatest sense of purpose. And I'm going to tell you guys, there's nothing more satisfying and gratifying than knowing that every single day when you get up in the morning, you are walking in the purposes and plans that God has called for you to walk in. There's nothing better. Absolutely nothing better. And so everybody, as I leave you today, I want to challenge you. And this is going to take some work. And I want to say to you guys, as I was preparing this, I was convicted. I'm like, Jesus, it's not good enough. I'm not seeking you enough. I'm not spending enough time with you. You deserve better. And quite honestly, I need more. We won't grow everybody until we get to that point of desperation. And if we want something different, church, we've got to be willing to do something different. If we're willing to do something different, I promise you, uh, we'll see We'll see Jesus, and we'll see Jesus in ways that we've never experienced him before. And when Jesus shows up, that's when everything changes. Amen? Come on. Come on. Thanks so much for joining us. Just a reminder to stay connected with us throughout the week at centralwire.com or on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks again for being with us, and have a great week.